If you will, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be uh, verses 38 to 50, but I got to, since we had a missionary last week, um, Damien was here, Damien Pickett um, from England, and uh, no, he didn't speak with an English accent, but he, uh, he did a good job for us last week. He was very entertaining, and uh, he didn't tell too many bad stories about me, so that's good because we've had a long relationship. But I think we better refresh a little bit of where we're at here in Mark. We're in Mark 9, and, and this is really a turning point, Mark 9 is. And uh, uh, we're getting, Jesus is getting ready, uh, really right after today's message. He's, he and his disciples are headed to Jerusalem, and which will end in his death, burial, and resurrection. This is a transitional time, and he's getting his disciples ready. Now, if you remember, we kind of come through this. It kind of starts out Jesus and, and Peter and James and John. They're up on, uh, they go to the mountain and uh, the mountain of transfiguration. And Peter, James, and John see Jesus just uh, uh, glorified. And they hear the voice from heaven. Of course, Peter says something dumb like he, he tends to do a lot. They hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my son. So they come back down and they meet all the rest of the disciples who have been having a real difficult time casting out a demon. In fact, they haven't been able to. Somehow they've gotten kind of puffed up. They haven't depended on the power of God. And there's just a mess. Of course, Jesus fixes messes. He cast them out and he explained about, um, he explained that you have to, uh, some of these come out with, with nothing but prayer and fasting. Then they kind of go back into the house. They go back into Capernaum. And they're probably hanging out at Peter's house because that's pretty much the biggest house in Capernaum. Even there now you can see the ruins of that. And uh, um, they're sitting in and, and, and Jesus takes a child. And he takes that child and he, he talks a little bit about and And he, and he, extra, and he uh, teaches his disciples that it's the children who are great. It's because uh, uh, they've been fussing like, who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the greatest? Going to be Peter? Yeah, man, I walked on water, remember? Yeah, he's going to be the greatest. No, James and John, no, we're going to be greater. And all the others are just getting mad, and they're all fussing and fighting. And, and it, everybody wants to be the best, right? They want to be in charge. And Jesus straightens them out. He takes the child, good likelihood that it's Peter's child sets them in and says, you got to be like a child. And if you really want to be great, you're going to have to be a servant. You're going to have to be a servant. So, as we come this morning, John has one question. He wants to know, well, who's on our team? Look at verse 38. And John answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. I think John was having a little problem here with his conscience. He, was, he had just told this guy who was out exercising demons, casting out demons in the name of Jesus, you can't do that because you, you don't follow us. You're not in our crowd. You can't do that. And Jesus corrected him. 
You see, sometimes we get into this thing where only we do it right. You've been around long enough to know that, that only we can do it right. You know, we're this is an interesting church. We're a little bit different than than many. Um, we're Baptist. We are Baptist in our doctrine. We all of these things are there. Um, we don't always follow all the Baptist traditions. Yeah, man, we've already figured out that traditions are what cause the Pharisees to get in so much trouble, right? We don't want to be like that. That's why I'm I'm not in a suit today. And in fact, a little bit later today, after I take Zach out to lunch, um, Sunzi and I are going to go over to Fort Lauderdale to see my granddaughter. Can't wait. That girl has the biggest, roundest face, fat cheeks, and uh, we're going to enjoy playing with her. And so I'm dressed to travel. Usually on Sundays I wear socks, but I didn't wear socks today. Too much information, right? Yeah. So who's on our team? Well, there's Baptist churches all around this area, all around this country. And you know what? That we all believe the, uh, very much the same things. We just may hold to different traditions and ways of doing things. I figured out uh, since I've been figuring this out for a while, God's, I'm a little hard-headed. God has to teach me a lot. That, uh, that, that, that our church... We're not going to be the church with the best show in town. I don't know. Larry and Eric are kind of a good show, but they're not the best show in town, right? And I, you know, I can get through a message, and I'm not the greatest orator in the world. What I do well is I see a need, and we try to meet the needs. And what you guys do so well is you jump on the team, and you help us meet needs. Zach, you and your, in Sunday school, you were talking about going to youth camp. What a difference that made in your life. Last week, we had a yard sale to raise money so our, to take our kids to youth camp. We're going to be going in July. And, uh, I mean, it, this place was wild. And this week, we had to get rid of some of the stuff that was left over, and that came out well. And somebody got real smart and said, why don't we just put everything out there that's left and uh, let the, the people, when they come through food, they can just go through it and get it. They got it. It's gone. Well, most of There's a few things we still have that, that are, we're, we're kind of taken care of. But what I want you to understand is because this church down the road has a bus ministry and we don't, we're not bad. Though we did get our new bus this week. Did you guys kind of see that out there? Yeah. Let me tell you what, what, we, what I hope to do with that. Since we're not allowed to go in public schools right now because of COVID, and that was such a great ministry for us when we were giving out the gospel every week at Good News Club and, and kid after kid after kid was come to know Christ. And, and the schools want us there, by the way, but we can't do it because of the rules. Well, as soon as I get everything figured out, we're going to maybe just bring a group of kids here on Tuesday afternoon and do a good news club in our buildings here. And we'll bring on Thursdays, we'll bring a bunch of middle schoolers. And I don't know about that, it's going to be a little scary. But middle school, we're going to find a way to get to them. Since we can't go to them, we'll bring them to us. And that's what we'll use those, those buses for. 
And that new van, by the way, lady, oh, man, when we get to start doing our senior adult ministry again, that one's easy to get up into. It's not like the other van. It, it, it's nice. So we don't have a regular bus ministry. We have other things that we do. What I want you to understand is because we do things different than that church doesn't mean that church is not for us. And that's what Jesus tried to explain to the disciples. That just because he is doing something, he's doing it in Jesus' name. So he is saying that whoever is for us, for me, is not against us. So we have a lot of people on our teams. John was very, uh, he, that was a great question. But here's what we need to take from that. There's no neutral ground regarding Jesus. Whoever is for him is for him. Whoever is against him is against him. We belong to Christ. Jesus considered acts of kindness done to his followers to be done to him. By the way, this team that we're on, this wonderful thing, we get compared to salt. Look at verse 49. You know I'm going to be I'm going to be skipping around a little bit and we'll it'll all come together in a few minutes. We're compared to salt. Verse 49 says, For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if it lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. Salt is good. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. Salt is an essential item in first century Palestine. In a hot climate, without refrigeration, salt was the practical means of preserving food. Have salt in yourselves. The work of the word and the spirit produces godly character, enabling a person to act as a preservative in society. Have peace one with a number with another romans uh, 12 says this if it be possible as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men so let me kind of just wrap that part up for a minute you see you have the, the you you have the disciples fussing about who's the greatest then you have john saying well we told him not that he can't he can't do what he does anymore in our name and you see that there's a little bit of a turmoil within the disciples, within the movement, and what is Jesus doing? He's putting a stop to it. Hey, those who are for us are for us. If they're against us, they're against us. But they're for us, they're for us. And we need to have peace with them, and we need to be salt. We need to be a preservative. Okay. Does that make sense? We, as believers, we must act as salt, act as a preservative, and we must have peace with the brethren. We need to have peace within each other. Nobody needs to be fussing. Nobody needs to be fighting. We need to have peace because we are to be salt. By the way, I want you to think about this. The lost people out there that we start talking about coming to church and, and doing things like that. 
What what is the first thing they? I hate church. It's just full of hypocrites. They're always fussing and fighting, complaining. Are we being salty, or have we lost our preservative action? You see, we don't have. If we don't have peace within ourselves, we can't preserve what's out there. So let me give you some reasons why we need to act as salt. And the first one is because of the warning of mistreating children. Look at verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Just to remind you, back in verse 36 and 37, talks where Jesus took the child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. It's not just little children, it's all of God's children. Okay, Do you understand, though, who God's children is? I know the world likes to tell it this way. Hey, everybody, we're all God's children. That's not true. That's not true. Only those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only those who have put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins are considered his children. The Pharisees and the, uh, thought that they were the children of God, and he corrected them. He said, you are the, of your father the devil. That was the most religious people in Israel at the time. And he calls them a, a child of the devil, not a child of God. So please understand, I know it makes everybody feel good. And this, unfortunately, this is not a feel-good message today. But it's an urgent message. You see, we have got to be careful about how we offend each other, how we offend the children of God. Y'all ever seen a millstone? I wish Charlie was here. He saw them. Well, but um, Marilyn and, and, and Jan and a synagogue right there at, uh, in Capernaum, the ruins of a synagogue, not far from Peter's house, there's a whole bunch of millstones laying out in the field. They're big. They're huge. And to the picture of putting that around somebody's neck and throwing them in the water, they'd never get out of it. In fact, it's, that's a little bit hyperbole because you could never hang one around somebody's neck. By the way, I've been on Mount Arable too. But what Jesus is telling us here is that when we, um, we mistreat what, others, when we cause others to stumble or to cause to fall, when we entice them, when we trap them or, or lead a believer into a, uh, to sin, it's a very, very serious matter. These little ones refers to all God's children who follow Christ and are seeking to serve Him. The way believers treat each other in the family of God is a, a serious thing. And God wants us to have peace with each other. And the disciples just did not get along with each other, nor did they get along with other believers. You know, that's why there's so many churches around. Because other people can't get along with other believers. A few years ago, we went on a mission trip to uh, Nassau. And it's funny because we were out canvassing neighborhoods. 
And here's a Baptist church, or here's a church. Could be, it was, there were some others, but here's a church. Two doors down, there's another church. And what, you know what happened? Remember, Junior, what they told us happened in those things? There's somebody in the church that thinks he can be a better preacher than the preacher, so they go two doors down, open up a church because they, the, they want to be looked at up to, and they want to do it better. That's a stumbling block. That's not the way God put things. You ever see a place called Fellowship Baptist Church? Dennis back there laughing because this is his deal. They probably came out of another church because they couldn't fellowship with them. <laughs> see, in God's eyes, this is a real important thing. This is a, a, a terrible thing. And we have to be careful how we treat one another. We have to be careful that we don't set somebody up to fall. <laughs> That's tough. Because we all have such different personalities. And we all have different buttons that get pushed. We all have, my wife constantly tells me, and I'm trying to learn. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I think that's why Proverbs 15.1 tells us that a soft answer turneth away wrath. Because sometimes people say things in the wrong way, and what does it do? It just ticks you off, and you're ready to fight. Well, if you're, if you're ticking people off because you're, you're causing them to stumble, we have to be careful how we say things. We have to be careful that we don't cause others to stumble. We have to, have a, 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 we have to live a life in front of people and in front of our brethren that's open and honest. And when we mess up, we have to be able to go to our, our, those people that we've offended and, and beg forgiveness because we're all going to mess up. It's important. It's crucial that we learn how to treat each other. My favorite chapters in the Bible is Matthew 18. Because that's the place where, it tell, uh, where Jesus institutes church discipline. That's, it's, it's interesting that some people don't believe the church started until Acts, but it, it, it's talked about in Matthew 16. Church discipline is, is, is taught in 18. And, and I understand maybe it's like a birth thing. There's the seed planted. There, the, the things are starting to germinate. There's things growing. The child's growing. And maybe at, at Pentecost, when most people say that the, the church started, that that was the day that the church was empowered and born in the open. But Matthew 16, Matthew 18 gives us some things, indications was Jesus is trying to teach how to run the church, teach his disciples. And in Matthew 18, he says, if somebody offends you, go to him. Go to him and, and, and tell him, hey, you know what? That's offensive. That, that offended. That hurt my feelings. That offended me. And give that person an opportunity to make things right. So, you know what? That is so unnatural to us. We want to do so. We want to be the bigger man and get over it. Let me tell you what. As you're trying to be the bigger man and get over it, it's going to eat you up and eat you up and eat you up. And probably, I can't give you a good a great deal of all offenses could be handled one-on-one -on -one when somebody knows they've been offended. But the Bible goes on. Jesus says that, listen, if you don't get satisfaction on the one-on-one -on -one conversation, then you take a couple people with you and you go 
and you deal with this situation. So that there, and the, there's two witnesses or so. In fact, even in that section, it talks a little about where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm with you. We, we do that all the time, right? We, we quote that verse really out of context because in context, it's, it's within church discipline. And then he says, if that doesn't work out, then you take it to the church. And there's still an issue, then that person who's in the, that doesn't want to get right, that doesn't want to ask for forget, that doesn't want to forget, then you put them out and you make them as a publican. They're, they're just out of the church. Because see, it's terrible to be someone who causes a child to stumble. It's better to have a millstone around your neck and chunked into the water. You see, if we're going to be salt, and if we're going to have peace with one another, we can't be the cause of stumbling for one another. Secondly, if we're going to be salt, if we're going to be the preservative, if we're going to have peace, we need to recognize the horrors of hell. Look at verses 43 to 48. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that, that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into halt, uh, enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. You know, we don't preach a whole lot about hell. And we, it gets uncomfortable. Nobody wants to think about that. But as believers we're going to be salt and we're going to be a preservative and we're going to have peace we need to understand that hell is a horrible place it is an awful place it is a real place jesus spoke on hell am i going to give you a hellfire and brimstone message i'm going to tell you what hell is i don't think i have to jump up and down and holler and scream in fact i think that would take away from the importance of this message Hell is a horrible, horrible place. The word translated to hell here is Gehenna. It comes from a Hebrew phrase called the Valley of Hinnon. It refers actually to a valley that was outside of Jerusalem, still there. It's where uh, wicked king Ahaz worshipped Molech, the fire god. He even sacrificed his children in the fire. Do you all understand what, we, what that's about? Let me give you a little bit of thing. Let me give you a little bit of history. Ahaz was a, a, a horrible king, wicked king. One of the things that God hated 
and, and tried to get rid of. And when the children of Israel were supposed to wipe everybody out in the promised land, and they didn't do it, they left over these people who worshipped Molech. And they'd make this big, big statue, and his arms would be out like this, and it was really a furnace. And they put fire, and they get that fire hot and hot, hot. And then they'd lay their child on that as a sacrifice to Molech. It's a horrible thing. That's a horrible, horrible thing. Later times, that valley became a garbage dump where there was trash and it was always on fire, was constantly burning. So he is talking to his disciples and he is trying to give them a picture of how horrible hell is and how horrible that sin is. He, he, he's trying to say, don't you understand that that Pluck your eye out if it bothers you, if it's going to tempt you, if it's going to, to, to take you away, because you're better off with one eye than, than having to spend eternity in hell. Cut your hand. He, what he's trying to explain to us is that the horribleness of sin. Zach mentioned that he grew up in hotels, and he's seen a lot of terrible things in his life. I've experienced and been involved in a lot of terrible things. It's not so much what I've done, too. It's the terrible things that come through our mind. Do you understand how horrible that is? It's so horrible that the Son of God had to be sacrificed on a cross to make a way for us to be back with God, to have fellowship with Him. A pure, sinless, perfect individual gave his life so that we don't have to experience that horribleness of hell it's an awful awful place it's an awful awful thing the lord is emphasizing the seriousness of sin and the need to do whatever is necessary to deal with it The contrast of life with hell indicates that Jesus was referring to eternal life. You see, hell is a horrible, horrible thing. A horrible, horrible thing. And if we keep that in the forefront of our minds, it will help us to get along. Because you know what? Getting my way in a conflict with one of you is not as important as to share the gospel and have the credibility with the people that we're sharing that gospel with to help them stay out of hell. I don't have to have my way necessarily. What Paul said, I've become all things to all men that by some way some might be saved. I know I butchered that. You got the point though, right? You see, we lose, we become salt that's lost its savior. We have a, a salt that, that's not salty anymore. We are not preserving. We are not having peace with one another. And because of that, there are many who are not hearing the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many who won't even think of coming to a church. 
So what are we going to do? How are we going to address this? How are we going to become? How are we going to continue to be salt? And how are we going to continue to have peace? Here's what we're going to do. For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one another. Remember, salt speaks of purity and preservation. It talks about the salt of sacrifices. That was some things that were referring back into the, the uh, Old Testament. The disciples were, were, were in danger of losing their flavor and becoming worthless. Once you've lost that precious Christian character, how will you ever restore it? Instead of us rebuking others, instead of the disciples rebuking others, they should have been examining their own hearts. It's so easy for us to lose our saltiness and become useless to God. We're going to experience fires or trials and persecutions, but we need to stand together no matter who the greatest is. Commitment and character are essentials. If we're to glorify Jesus, we're to have peace with each other. So how do we make peace? Let's start with this one. We're getting ready to go into Missions Month. We're going to be singing a song in March. One of the things to do as a missionary's helper is to pray. Zach talked about that. We need to pray. Let's talk about some things we need to pray about. First, we need to pray, God, is there, am I losing my salt? God, please reveal in me that the sinful things that are, that are, are there. And, and help me, Lord, to, to confess that sin to you and to make things right. Lord, am I, have I offended somebody? Do I need to go make things right with somebody? Lord, give me boldness. Help me. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to talk to God. Listen, we do a great thing every Friday when we're giving out food. The greatest thing that's happened is that people are being prayed for. Carol and uh, Carol just does such a great job. God is using her in a mighty way. She has such a nice spirit, and, you know, uh, I come and pray some, but I'm kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's pray. She takes time with folks. And, and when I saw this young lady crying, she's here getting some food. She's taking care of her mom and her, her grandfather. And, and, and she's... And Carol started praying for her, and the tears are just streaming down, and she looks up after the prayer, and nobody has prayed for us. See, if we are concerned about people's eternity, we're going to 
become salt. We're going to have peace because if their eternity matters to us and it mattered to Jesus, then we need to pray. We need to pray for them. We need to pray that we have peace with one another. We need to pray that God will reveal to us the things that we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray for those lost people. And by the way, that young lady is not the only person. I've seen men in tears because we care and pray. Second thing we need to do, we need to give. You're thinking, oh man, you're going to talk about money. I'm not going to talk about money. You know about that. I don't need to deal with that. You know what you need to give? Give your heart. Give of yourselves. Give your time. Today's Valentine's Day, right? How many of y'all got chocolate for your Valentine? Cindy and I went out yesterday to go buy things for our kids and grandkids for Valentine's Day. And there's flowers everywhere. And she looks at me and says, I'm glad you don't buy me flowers. I learned a long time ago that that's not the thing that, that pushes her button. I did get her a great big bag of peanut M&M's. <laughs> what do we do on to show our love to someone? We give. We give our time. We give of our hearts to them. We give. We give to help each other. We give to help others. See, it's not just about money. By the way, those of you who come and give one can of green beans, that's a big deal to somebody out there that doesn't have anything and wants something besides Cheez-Its. Man, I don't know what it would be like to eat Jesus for a week. You see, it starts when we pray. And it goes on when we give. We give of ourselves. We give of our time. We give of our talents. Every one of you have a talent. Did you know that? No, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. Every one of us. By the way, did you know that I can tell you my story and Jesus' story in less than two minutes? Did you know that? And that's what sharing the gospel is all about. We can do it in such a quick time. You don't have to have tons and tons of, no tons and tons of things. And I can show you all the, the, the Romans Road and the wordless book. And I've seen your bracelet and other things. I can show you all those things. But you know what's really powerful that nobody can ever talk about? It's your testimony and his story. Like, you know, before I knew Jesus, it was all about me. Man, I did everything I could to please me, and I'd use others so that I could be pleased. I met Jesus. He forgave me. And now, and now, I get to serve others. It's not about me. It's about others. And you, you want to know how that happened? It's because Jesus gave his life on a cross and he was buried and he rose the third day and he told me if we put our faith in him 
All our sins can be forgiven. He just gave out the gospel. I don't know, was that two minutes or maybe less? Nobody can argue with that. I don't care what any, any intellectual that comes to me and says, this Jesus isn't real. I said, yeah, no, he's real. I know what he did in my life. Nobody can argue that down. Because it is. We pray. We give. And my favorite part, we go. We go. We go where the needy are. Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. Since we're studying Mark, we'll use the Mark version. We go. Now, I know our biggest evangelistic thing is to ask people to come to church. And that's a great thing. If that's the only thing you can do, that's a great thing. Get them here and we'll get the gospel to them. But if you want to truly be obedient to Jesus, we're to go. That's why we went into public schools. Yes, for those of you who don't know, we can minister in public school and give the gospel there. That's why we go and we cook breakfast and lunch for teachers. Because they need to know that there's somebody that loves them and is praying for them. Even if they don't agree with our message. We still love them and are praying for them. It's why we go to places like the football game and work in a concession stand. It's why we, <laughs> have you guys heard what's going to be happening around here in, in, in March? March 29th. Have you guys been around? I heard it's even on the radio. Did you know that, that, that we're going to partner with um, Charlotte County Health Department, Healthy Kids, and something else, and we're having a drive through Easter? Do you know what, we're going to have, people are going to be, they're signing up now. It's being, you know who's advertising, the Sheriff's Department's advertising it, um, the Health Department's advertising it. There's all sorts of people advertising it that have nothing to do with church. And people are going to come here, and they're going to come over here, and they're going to be, Mike's going to be out there in an Easter Bunny outfit. Yeah, I know. I've lost so, some of the some of my brethren out there that that are, are Baptists. Just said, "You have sinned. You're gone." If they knew Mike, they would probably think even worse. But he's willing to do it. Yeah, we're going to give them eggs with uh, stuffed with some candy and some other little things that have a little bit of a gospel witness. And then they're going to come and they're going to get food. And then they're going to come and there's going to be three crosses. And then they're going to come to that foyer where you come in and out, and there's going to be an empty tomb. There's going to be some Roman soldiers walking around. There's going to be some uh, people dressed in Bible. And we're going to hand out a little bag that has a, the story of the resurrection and a resurrection uh, um, activity book to, for every child. And, and the adults, they're going to get a thing, a little booklet called The Case for the Resurrection by a man named Lee Strobel. They're going to get a gospel witness. And then they're going to drive over and get car seats and bicycle helmets. That's going. That's when we go, when before COVID, when we could go to the, the uh, um, <clears throat> stadium 
cops and goblins and paint faces using the colors of the wordless book, giving the gospel, handing out candy and, and, and bracelets. You guys made thousands of bracelets with the wordless book beads. And we give it out with tracks and candy. And, oh, we can do trunk or treat here and maybe get two, 300 people. Or we can go out there and reach 3,000 people. We got to go. And maybe it's just as simple as going next door and handing out a track. You see, if we're going to be salt and have peace, we need to pray, we need to give, and we need to go. It's that simple. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, recognize how important it is for us to get along Lord, for us to be a preservative, for us to have peace with each other, because Lord, it's very serious to offend our brothers and sisters. And Lord, the thought of people spending an eternity away from you in a place of punishment called hell breaks our heart. Lord, may we pray and confess our sinfulness. Lord, may we ask you for power. And Lord, may we pray for reconciliation. Lord, may we give of ourselves. May we give of our time. May we give of our talents. That others can come to know you. May as we pray and we give, let us go. <coughs> spreading the gospel so that all can hear and have an opportunity to become your child. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.